No, not yet. Okay. Oh, yes, we are. Hello, and welcome to Inverticast. I am Leah from Gerangelia and Inverticast. And of course, with me is Simon from the Mantis Garden. Hello, Simon. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Promotion. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we do it every episode. Um, <laughs> but today, we are going to be discussing bees and all about bees. So that includes bumblebees, honeybees, wasps, and yellow jackets, uh, Africanized killer bees. We're, we're going to talk about them all. So we should, uh, let's see, what, what, what do you want to get started with? Maybe. Um. Types of bees. Yeah, let's How do it. Okay. Yeah, there are so many types of bees. Um, I I know that there are twenty thousand different species of bees throughout the entire world, um, and specifically, there are four thousand uh, or approximately four thousand that live here in the U.S. and Canada. Um, wow. And then, yeah, so. There are a lot of species of bees, but most people probably only really think about like bumblebees or honeybees, maybe a little bit of wasps, you know, things like that. But um, those are just like a tiny little glimpse into the world of bees. Yeah, there's, there's 2,000 2, species of bees in Europe. Oh, so yeah. You've got to beat by double in the Americas. Definitely. That's amazing. Although we do, I mean, that's probably due to the fact that, like, we have a bit larger of a landmass, but Europe is pretty big, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that's including. I don't know if that's including Scandinavia and, you know, extended Europe, Eastern Europe and all the rest of it. And that, that makes us uh, a big landmass, but I think you've got, I think you've got more of the, um, the climate for, for things, as you have other books that we don't over here. And yes, uh, I think that's true. Hello, Shady. Shady says good evening. <laughs> good evening, Shady. Good evening. <laughs> All right. So um, I don't know, like, the specifics of each different kind of species of bees, but I do know that um, I would say that the most popular one or the most most recognized one is, is definitely the honeybee. Um, and there are so many species of those as well that, uh, I mean, it's hard to be like, oh, just one honeybee. No, there are so many honeybees. It's not even funny. So you got, you know, um, sorry, you got, you know, your your Japanese honeybees, American honeybees, uh, there's European honeybees, African honeybees. So there's honeybees. They pretty much live all throughout the world, of course, except for like Antarctica because Nothing really lives there, except for penguins. Oh, <laughs> spring tail. Yeah, right? Okay, it. so... Yeah, uh, do you have anything else to put uh, to add to um, what kind of bees there are in the world? Or Well, obviously, honeybees. We can obviously see this, that you've done more squatting than I have about bees. Yeah. Uh, I know about the, the standard bees, like, you know, your carpenter bees and... Uh, Mason bees, etc., which are which are extremely interesting. Uh, the, the the difference is the way they they make the nests. Because when you when you when you think of a bee, most people think of a, a beehive, 
and uh-huh. even a, a, a tree branch or even in your in your house somewhere uh, you know under your gutter um, yeah lots of different ways i mean there's lots of bees there's some bees that are actually just on their own and they'll just dig a burrow into the ground and stay life on their own sort of thing and do it do it themselves and there are other bees that make nests underground with like a funnel on the top with 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 clay and they actually build it up like um a termite would build it up for coming out of the ground so you got little uh stalagmite stalagmites stalagmite type structures coming up with a hole down yeah the big turret type the, yeah they use the saliva and 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 mud to make like clay that's even more interesting it's actually waterproof uh, bees saliva wow. is waterproof which is awesome so when it rains it just comes off like it like it does off a duck's back which i think is interesting that's incredible i didn't know that that's it is really cool i mean bees are pretty fascinating so i know that um here in the states we have paper wasps which we call them paper wasps but i'm going to guess that they're similar to the carpenter wasps and they will build you know these these big intricate kind of honeycomb looking hives um definitely in attics and kind of up high whereas like you were saying with the um turret building guys or bees um we have bumblebees that they actually burrow underground and they live in you know like in the shrubbery and stuff that uh accumulates around the forest floor or, or around the ground of trees and whatnot and so they'll just kind of burrow into that and that's where they live um so that's i mean that's definitely a fascinating thing uh, about what you know how they survive essentially um so carrie has asked uh if wasps actually have a good purpose outside of warding off children from port from parks <laughs> <laughs> and that's city of wasps are just horrible um, yeah yeah <laughs> But it's, but it's like saying, do cats or tigers have a purpose apart from just killing things? Um, wasps are pretty much a cleanup crew because they, they eat a lot of dead insects as well. Mm-hmm. They also catch a lot of uh, things like flies and other annoying things like uh, mosquitoes, for instance. Mm-hmm. So they are a, they're, they're particularly much a predator. Um, but they're just annoying because they sting us and we don't like them. I mean, You're right. Us, but in the ecosystem, but like mosquitoes, they're annoying uh, to us. So therefore, we don't see them as a, a useful creature because we don't we don't find them particularly comfortable to live with. And it's just down to that's just down to humans. It's not down to the you know the ecosystem or the animal world. That's my opinion. Right. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, they, you know, they do serve a purpose, uh, even though we we definitely see wasps as, you know, kind of a pest. They do tend to build their nests around our houses and, like, you know, can be very intimidating uh, as far as that goes. Because you don't want to be stung by them. It is actually a pretty painful sting, um, more so than, than, you know, like a regular bee. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's not as bad as you might think i mean it's kind of a sting for sure and it hurts there's a lot of pain you know isolated at the at the sting site and there's swelling i'm sorry simon you <laughs> that's, that's wrong. 
we have when we moved in this house we had because you brought it to my mind that we um, have a nest in an outside shed that was here uh, oh. a paper wasp european paper wasp and i got suited up with everything uh, <laughs> mask on and all that from uh, oh yeah everything and i put a woolly hat on my head thinking it was protective and unfortunately not and i went out with a, a co2 fire extinguisher and froze uh -huh. to get rid of it and like they stung all the top of my head oh like, no within 50 stings on the top of my head and that, that, oh that goodness seriously gave me a really really bad headache but apart from that i mean like you said they're not they're not killer wasps but you do right. sort of have some more dangerous ones when if you go in that territory uh painful and dangerous you're sliding towards hornets rather than wasps i think mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely um you know if you get stung enough it's definitely a dangerous thing because they they you know they you, they can send you to a hospital and then you'd yeah. have to be treated probably with a lot of Benadryl <laughs> and, and anti-inflammatories. Um, but yeah, um, wasps actually do serve a pretty, pretty important purpose. Um, they are incidental pollinators. So yeah. they, because they're carnivorous, so they, they hunt and attack like other flying uh, insects. And that's basically what they eat. And they will also like attack, you know, big cicadas and they will bring it back to the hive and feed that to their larvae or their the baby the baby wasps um, and the queen of course and so uh, because of that they are actually really great as far as keeping the pest populations down and keeping them in control um, and a lot of farmers here in the states actually uh, really like to use wasps as that kind of pesticide like a natural pesticide uh, for their crops, which makes a lot of sense to me. It's kind of kind of hits back on that ladybugs, you know, harvesting ladybugs and using them as pesticides. Um, again, that it just makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, even even. Sorry. Yeah. Finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm 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 pretty finished with with the wasps. Um, no, I think. Tail you off there by by putting in. I am sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, you're totally fine. It's <laughs> um, I, I read I, about um, there's some, there's something you do that we don't seem to do as much, which is is rent uh, bees, rent oh, bees, right. and then put them in your fields to pollinate. Yep, yep. That is definitely something that is uh, done here in the states. I know for sure that here we have. Um, I've mentioned them before on the podcast quite a few times, but the uh, butterfly pavilion here is a really huge, basically bee superpower. Um, they will rent like little hives that you can take to, you know, like if you have a greenhouse or, um, you know, a garden in your house or again, like a farm and basically just allow the bees to do what they do. Um, and yeah, and everybody kind of benefits from that because the butterfly pavilion, you know, you're helping them in their program um, as far as conservation because they they have a pretty good program for that. Um, and then you're also helping your own garden and your crops that you're trying to protect from other pests and critters that can really damage damage those plants. 
Um, so speaking of conservation, uh, I thought that that would be, this is a good segue to talk about the conservation efforts that you read about recently. Well, it's, it's actually not a recent one. This has been going on for quite a while, but in the UK or in Britain, at least not in the UK, not uh -huh. um, there's something called a beeline, which is where we have uh, what they call a nature setting, a wildlife setting. We, we have, uh, it's quite different from the, from the States. We're a okay. bunch of cities in dots here and there across across the, the landscape and in between that we've got lots and lots of countryside so what they've done is connect um the the areas you know one nature area to another nature area with like uh -huh. a transport system for bees uh which oh. is literally a strip of land that connects between the the the, the countryside areas the nature areas of uh -huh. uh, flowers that bees love basically and it's just oh, all amazing network of, of flowers that go in lines to connect the bees to other places they want to go oh so wow fantastic idea and i'd love to see every other country do it i but, agree i think that's that's really really something because um, as we know, you know, bee populations across the whole world have been declining in recent years, um, actually for a couple of decades now. And so that program actually sounds really, really great for the bees, because I'm sure that you're probably also starting to see like a, a boom in some of the populations of the bees there in, in the UK. I can imagine that, that that's just, I mean, that's some of the best things that we can do. I mean, even here in the States, a lot of people like to plant flowers that are attractive, more attractive to honeybees and bees in general. So like lavender is a good one. Um, yep. Marigolds is another great one. I think sunflowers to an extent. I don't know if sunflowers are really that great. Um, but I do know that like that is something that we can do here at home uh, that will also help bee populations and help to keep them from starving. Um, you know, because without those flowers, they starve. Um, oh, yeah, but without like when, when, they, when they have the gardens, it's like if you if you've got big enough garden, you know, save a bit, save a little corner, and, oh, yeah. and keep that little corner as wild as possible with wild flowers, everything yeah. in that little corner, because it doesn't absolutely helps a lot of insects, and if it helps insects, it helps the other animals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a knock-on effect, isn't it? That's what the mm -hmm. ecosystem is really. But yeah, if you if you've got a garden that's big enough, please keep a bit that's wild, just absolutely wild. And, and, absolutely. And grow wildflowers there and let the weeds grow as well, because a lot of the weeds that we, we don't like and we pull out of our garden. Are They're actually really beneficial. And we're pulling them up. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Keep... I believe uh, sunflowers here are also kind of considered a weed, but they are super beneficial. They can be very like invasive. So if you are planting sunflowers, be aware of that. They are an invasive plant, um, but they are pretty beneficial because again, they provide a bit of pollen for the bees. Um, I think that's kind of, I'm playing on a stereotype here. <laughs> you see those pretty pictures of little bees and stuff. It's usually on a sunflower. Um, but I do know that marigolds, lavender, anything purple 
any kind of purple flowers. Um, we have a flower here in Colorado that's native to Colorado called the columbine. And it is a, a absolutely beautiful flower, but very high in like pollen. And so pollinators absolutely love columbines. Um, so if you get your hands on some columbines and plant those, but I agree, um, keeping the garden wild or to those wild native species of plants and whatnot is actually the most, is the best thing you can possibly do for those bees. Very, very cool. The, uh, the sunflowers. I've tried to grow <laughs> sunflowers in my garden for the past oh, no. 10 years and <gasps> they won't grow. They won't grow at all. Cause it's just oh, no. So it's like, you know, it's, <clears throat> you're considering weeds and I can't get them to grow putting fertilizer on and looking after them. <laughs> so, it's, so it's, you know, it's a good thing that you've got your perspective over there and then there's this, I mean, the rest yeah. of you are probably okay. I've got to admit that. It's probably us in Scandinavia are going to screw yeah. things like that. But yeah, um, <laughs> to see the different perspectives where you're saying, you know, you can just plant this, just plant that, I'm thinking, yeah, you can. But for us, it's 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 a little a little more difficult. It's di well, it's difficult. You you guys don't get quite as much sunlight as we do. Uh, is that pretty accurate? Yeah. I, I think it's the I think it's the the heat. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's like summer. We get we get uh, in winter. Sorry, we have more sunshine than we have in in summer. Mm. But it's that cold sun, so nothing grows. <laughs> yeah. But we. You know, it's probably why we're so green, really, and rather than colourful, um, like Ireland, it's it's the same sort of thing. It's 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 damp, uh, yeah. Most of the time, and a lot of a lot of plants don't like that. So it's that's why I'm saying about the corner with the wild stuff in, because mm -hmm. that grows here anyway. So you know, it's yeah. going to grow. Whereas if you if you're thinking of planting uh, sunflowers or anything else that bees are going to love, mm. it, your chances are pretty slim, uh, unless you you know got your greenhouse and all the rest of the stuff. Your, your chances are slim. Sure, so, sure. Just yeah, climate does wild play. Wildflowers look fantastic. Have you ever seen wildflowers that are all mixed up in a in a, in a oh, garden? love them. In a absolutely. I, I've got a quite a big patch where I keep absolutely completely wild and i've got logs stacked up and all sorts of books and and, and baby birds and things awesome uh, that actually normally looks better than the part that i've i've got planted out um shall we say properly <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah planted out properly but the the wild part when it in when it's at its height and everything all the different things you've got cornflowers going and marigolds and open poppies and all uh -huh. sorts will grow here naturally um natively sorry um sure they, they look absolutely fantastic look better than the rest really oh do. i love that that's amazing i can only imagine how how wonderful that must be um fantastic I, yeah, people yeah i mean i living in the city i don't it's hard to to have a really nice garden because they do take a lot of time to you know procure and make sure that they're doing well um, but I do definitely enjoy seeing more native and wild species of flowers and plants and stuff coming, coming into other people's yards. And I think that's actually right now in the States, that's actually becoming a, a more popularized, uh, method of, of grooming a yard 
is I'm starting to see a lot more people doing that exact thing where they're just allowing for the nat- native and, and natural species of plants and stuff kind of over overthrow their yard, essentially, which makes a lot of sense because then you have a lot less maintenance. You're not having to go out and mow your yard every you know week or so. You're not having to water quite as much because, again, these native species, they're, they're going to thrive where they are from. So when it rains, that's the perfect thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm really hoping that I see a lot more of that, but I definitely have noticed that it's definitely a, a, a really good trend. Okay, no, so... Fantastic. I mean, my, my wife is from Africa. So yes. living here, when she sees weeds that I would consider like horrible, uh, pull uh-huh. off and get rid of them, she's like, no, no, leave that. They're beautiful. You know, so it has completely different perspectives. So if I went to the States, what, what, what you yeah. said, weeds, I might find really attractive and think that's a beautiful flower, you know, or, yeah. or, or whatever. It's a difference when, when you go to different countries, what one considers a weed, another one is cultivating to put in the gardens on purpose. Mm. That's what you seem to find around, around the world. Certainly. I mean, I think it's really fascinating, the differences and um, what we consider something that is awesome and beautiful and that we want to cultivate a lot more of them and, you know, what some people consider weeds. I think that's that's a very interesting, uh, like, a signal of kind of what culturally, like, the differences that we all have. I think that's a really, really good point for sure. Um, so let's talk about why bees are such important pollinators in the world and why conservation efforts are so important in keeping these bees around and making sure that they don't ever go extinct, obviously. So you mentioned this actually backstage or earlier, we were discussing why bees were so important. And we read a statistic, we know of a statistic that says that bees are, and pollinators in general, are responsible for one in three bites of food for like worldwide for people. Um, and that's that's a pretty big statistic if you think about it. That's a third of all of the food that's ever produced throughout the world. Uh, and that, that bees and pollinators are responsible for that third of food. So um, I think that's probably the biggest reason that they're so important is because of that food production um, and that pollination that that creates that food production um, obviously because food is actually an essential for for humans like we can't survive without food clearly (laughs) same with water we can't survive without water Um, so what are your thoughts on that Simon like what what do you think uh, why why else do you think that these bees are so important for pollinizers. I mean, well, 90%, I, I did read this uh, days ago. I'm, I'm it amazingly. Uh, 90% of the world's food crops are pollinated by insects. Oh, wow. That's a lot. 90% is a lot. So if you think about it, if you, if you say there's people in the world now starving to death, uh-huh. Imagine taking another ninety percent of the world's food away. Oh, it would that, be devastating. That's what would happen if we start squashing all the bugs we see. 
Mm-hmm. This is why insects in general are so important, but mm-hmm. the vast majority, about 90%, is bees mm-hmm. that are actually doing all the pollinating. And it, like I said before, there's, there's, a, there's a massive, massive amount of bees. Some bees only go for red flowers, some only go for yellow flowers, mm-hmm. some for the purple flowers. I don't know about the eyesight of bees, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I, I'm pretty lacking on that information. But if anybody else knows, please let us know why that is. I, I so do know bees. that their eyesight is very similar to almost like infrared. So the brighter, like purple and blue hues tend to be the ones that they're more attracted to. So that looks a lot brighter to them. Um, and of course, I think yellow and some orange hues are also very vibrant for them. Um, but yeah, their eyesight is is kind of a mystery to me as well. <laughs> well just, just picking certain colors, though, for one species of being like mm-hmm. I, I only eat red flowers. You know, that must be hard work flying around looking Absolutely. for the red flowers only. You know, did, did you know? Just talking about flowers. Did you know there's actual bee that makes a burrow in the ground and it wallpapers it's the entire burrow with petals and flowers oh wow no i had no idea that's amazing it cuts off little little petals little bits of petal flies back yeah. to the burrow and glues them to the to the inside of the burrow with saliva and out again it goes and gets more wow that's incredible i had no idea Right. Yeah. Just, for it. I, I agree. I couldn't find a reason for them doing it. Nobody seems to uh, have studied that. But they well, know, I'm wondering. They don't know why they do it. I'm so, wondering if they do it because possibly there's there might be like a chemical or something within the flower petal itself that you know provides some kind of sustenance for them possibly or. Um, I'm wondering if it also might have to do with like keeping predators away because you know that there are some plants that are um, actually uh, really, really good like insecticide essentially like pine here, for instance. Um, Yeah. You know, pine, pine is something that we know that spiders and bees are just they're they're put off of. They don't like it. It's very off putting to them. um, So they avoid it. You know, same with peppermint, and these are known to be plants. So I'm wondering if that that specific bee or that specific flower has some kind of, you know, that kind of uh, uh, attribute that helps them to stay away from from other carnivorous insects. It could be, but I prefer to think they just like the color. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> nice on the wall. You know. well, I'll I'll keep that in my mind until somebody actually writes a paper on it and says why, but I'm going to keep that in my mind because I think that's a much more romantic view of it. But yeah, I agree. We'll we'll go with that. That it's it's much more aesthetically (laughs) pleasing to them than (laughs) that's the word I was looking for. I couldn't think of the word. (laughs) All (laughs) right, I love that though. That that's some pretty interesting information about certain species i mean they each have their own like qualities that are just like so much cooler more interesting than the next i would say um 
and I think that's that's another reason that you know they're they're just such a cool, interesting little invert, you know. Um, so we are also going to talk about bees that kill other bees, and I think and a great example of that would be uh, the in Japan the Japanese honeybees. There's there's a type of wasp that actually will attack the Japanese honeybee uh, hives, and so. You know, and I know that there are some yellow jackets and wasps and whatnot that will attack other beehives and things like that. Um, we also have tarantula hawks that will attack and kill a tarantula and then lay their eggs in, in the tarantula's body so that when the larvae hatch, they have something to munch on. Um, so, yeah, let's, you know, kind of delve into bees that eat and kill or kill and eat other bees um what do you think the purpose of that is like what lunch what lunch. <laughs> right yes what's the, the purpose it, of anything <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, i don't think there's any real purpose i mean it's just already evolved it's just gone this is an yeah. easy meal you know it's yeah. this an easy meal we've got this sauce we'll add these we'll you know we'll snack on this it's sure probably just how they you know evolved in general right 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 like no I... creatures you think why why do they eat that right it's, it's just because it's easy i suppose a bit like pandas giving up on chasing <laughs> things when they can just sit there and chew on bamboo they thought this is easy i'm going to do this instead so <laughs> that's true how, true you know, true that sort of bees have evolved uh, and that the hornets you talked about in in Japan, and I cannot mm -hmm. remember the name for the life of me. I did know the Latin name for them as well. Um, oh. But those are, are absolutely fascinating the way they go and the, the amount of bees they can kill. I think I think it's something like, is it 20 a minute? Something like that they can go Oh, through. wow. No, so, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just like crunching them. And, and then the only defense the bees have when they get into the hive is by swarming them. Into uh -huh. the bottom, flapping their wings really hard and rising the temperature within yes. the bottle and it kills the wasp because the bees can handle the temperature it gets over mm -hmm. 40 degrees centigrade in there which is uh i think that's nearly 100 degrees fahrenheit something i like believe that. it's and it gets well, so hot there, it kills the wasp and the bees yeah. are like yeah we're all right now they, they the bees can handle it the wasp can't but that's that's how they see them off to the best of the ability, but if they get swarmed by the wasps, as you said, by the yeah, orc, they're doomed. Uh, they're done for. They're just they're done for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Which I is, think it's pretty interesting and very impressive how they interact with one another and are able to work as a team like that. It's almost you know that hive mind. I think we've talked about this before when we were talking about ants. Yeah. Um, that they all just kind of have that one mission. They know what it is. They you know, they go for it. Um, and Japanese honeybees are no exception to that. So I think they do actually, they raise the temperatures to like close to 120 degrees. Is it? Which, yeah, I believe so. I think it's like 115, 120, somewhere in that range. Um, and which is, you know, obviously detrimental to the wasp. But like you said, those honeybees are able to withstand that kind of a temperature. Um, which also raises the CO2 levels in the hive. So they basically 
boil and <laughs> suffocate the wasp to death, um, which is pretty fascinating. And then I, I'm, I can imagine that they probably just use the, the dead wasp as some kind of sustenance or, you know, maybe a part of the hive eventually. I mean, it all breaks down, of course, but that's it's pretty fascinating stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I, most most like honeybees and like bumblebees and those kinds of bees are actually stingless. So they don't have stingers, uh, meaning that, you know, they they can't sting you. So they're not quite as defensive. They're also not quite as aggressive as some wasps and yellow jackets can be. Um, so speaking of aggressive bees, <laughs> uh, Carrie asks, do killer bees make honey? So this is a really great question and a really great segue into killer bees. What are they? Are they really that bad? Um, and I actually did a whole bunch of research on killer bees and come to find out that killer bees are also known as Africanized honeybees. So they yes, do produce honey, um, but the, the reason they exist is because of us. So <laughs> back in the 1950s, uh, uh, some scientists or people, you know, brought these African honeybees into Brazil and hybridized them with the Brazilian honeybees in an effort to create more honey production. So they wanted to produce a lot more honey. Unfortunately, some of those bees escaped the laboratories where they were being cultivated, essentially, uh, and have pretty much scattered and spread throughout the entire world, um, including like the southern most parts of, of um, the United States. But they, you can find them pretty much in Africa, South America, Central America. Any place that's pretty warm, you're probably going to find some Africanized honeybees. Um, the funniest thing about them, though, I think, is that, the, you know, we've been, people have been trying to control them for decades and decades, but unfortunately, it's just, they're very, very tricky to control. And the reason that they have been given the, the name of killer bees is because they are much more aggressive and much quicker than any other bees. So if you disturb a hive, one of their hives or something like that um they're going to be much more quick to attack you and there's going to be a lot more of them and they are incredibly aggressive so because of that they have been known to kill people which is a shame but africanized honeybees so they do produce honey good question mm, very good very good question they're also very good for movies oh absolutely they make yeah. really great uh, inspiration for movie antagonists and scary monsters, right? <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of the uh, movies put things into people's heads and make things mm -hmm. worse than they are. The spiders are a good, you know, good uh, example of that, where, where people are afraid of spiders. They know people are afraid of spiders in general. So they make yes. a bigger, they make an area, they make, you know, they make a more yeah. Put them on the screen, and if if you don't really know much about something, and you're being shown this, that's what you believe. And that's so, yeah, that's what you're gonna have. You know, they're not as uh, I mean, they are aggressive. Obviously, they're much more aggressive than the other bees, but mm -hmm. 
they're not going to chase you down like in the cities and then go on to the next person and murder you. No. This is, this is, this is, <laughs> this is the sort of mentality that Hollywood has produced uh, yes. rather than, you know, scientists. But again, humans bring in this problem around i mean it's always it's always humans every time you look at something it's always people always <laughs> <laughs> no i i, I absolutely well. agree it, it's so true i mean uh the africanized honeybees are they're honestly yeah they're more aggressive than regular bees but if you're not going out of your way to like mess with them, you're going to be fine. They're probably not going to come after you. So I, I appreciate that you mentioned that uh, Hollywood and sometimes the media really likes to make things a lot scarier and more outlandish than they actually are. Um, I think, unfortunately, like bees, spiders and snakes really get the, yeah. the worst of it, to be honest. Like, yeah, they, 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 I think spiders yeah. get the worst and you got bees that... Well, yeah. I don't know for you because it might be snakes for you. For us, we don't have any, so it's like okay. snakes. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. So the UK... nothing here that's particularly dangerous. We have no tarantulas, nothing like no. that. The yeah. biggest spiders about I'm gonna have to do this about an inch and a half, inch maybe an inch and a half. Sure. Every year in September, <laughs> conveniently, the newspapers will come out with. Oh, it's spider time, and there are going to be <laughs> massive giant spiders running across your floor. Just, just you know, the usual media rubbish where they're trying to terrify people to right. buy paper or whatever. And it's uh, it's the same with every country. Whatever they've got the most of, that's what the you know the media comes up and says this is terrifying. It's Absolutely, just, it's just publicity stunts, isn't it? Really? All yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's really kind of an unfortunate side of kind of humanity and just how we kind of function, if you will. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we know that fear is a really great motivator. So there's a lot of things in the media and sometimes here in the States, like we know this firsthand is, you know, you drudge up a bit of fear about one thing, then that means that people are going to go out and, you know, be buying things to help prevent that one thing or they're going to be buying things to help like prepare for that one thing you know i think um i think that that's just just a part of 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 the world and just kind of how we how we work together i if you will but it's it's very unfortunate i do agree i feel like if people were maybe a little more educated on you know what the purpose of bees or wasps or even the the africanized honeybees you know, then they probably wouldn't be quite as fearful. Um, and we'd probably have a lot better environment happening, you know, a better ecosystem, because then things would be a lot more copacetic. Hopefully people would be a lot more relaxed and not quite as fearful. Um, because let's be honest, who wants to live in fear? It's not a fun time. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, it's not only that. You get, because, because of the fear factor, because it's only a bug, yeah. people kill them. And it's like, you know, yeah. you, you just killed somebody's lunch there. You right, know? exactly. You, you just... but if you look at it like that, if you say, like, every time you kill a bee, you're just yeah. killing somebody's lunch. Somebody's going hungry because you killed that bee. Right. Rather than, you know, catching it, releasing it outside of your house or wherever you found it, like, 
you know, that, that was a wasp's lunch. Like they, they were going to take care of it for you rather than you doing it on your own. It just, it kind of sucks. <laughs> so I, I definitely I hear you. Fall down, something's going to eat them. So right. it's, it's, it's all a, a knock-on effect rather than you just flattening it on your window. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah, yeah. Just make well, the you effort know, your window. Shoot it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's part of the, the chain, essentially. Everything is eaten by something else. So there's, you know, there's big fish eat the little fish, but then there's a much bigger fish that's going to eat that other big fish, you know. So it's, it's just kind of... It, it, I feel like it's just kind of weird and redundant. It's just a weird part of society that we play on our own fears in that way. Um, and it's detrimental to a lot of bee species and, you know, other invert species, especially like spiders, and, you know, um, yeah. elder beetles, box eetle, or the box elders, you know, it's, they have a purpose. And even if that purpose is just being food for another invert, like it's important. Um, okay. So the last topic that I have is parasites and pets. So what kind of parasites and pests do bees also have to uh, navigate? What is the word I'm looking for? Mitigate? No. Uh, navigate would do. It's like, you know, navigate away from them. Um, yeah. I know because I breed waxworms. And when I got into this a long time ago uh, and researching because I, I was like, okay, waxworms. Uh -huh. I know you get them at the pet shop, but I, I didn't, you know, where do they come from in, in reality? Where do they live in nature? And when right. I found out, I was very surprised that they actually live in, in beehives. And the reason they're called waxworms is because they eat bees' wax. So oh, that's amazing. Hive, which is an actual nightmare. You can actually collapse a, a complete hive, uh, killing off the, the entire colony. Oh, wow. So, tiny little moth lava can do that. <laughs> it's, it's, I find that completely amazing. Sorry, I've got cramped in my head. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in the back of my thigh. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it's, um, I, I think that's, well, I think <laughs> it because everybody buys wax worms, but I, very few people, I mean, mealworms are another one. It's like, Mm -hmm. He really sits down when they buy these these food for their animals and goes, I wonder where this comes from in nature. I wonder where it turns mm -hmm. into. Uh, but there you go. Waxworms are a, a nightmare for uh, beekeepers. So and tell beehive. Them. Wow. I That's have a amazing. Beekeeper, or I had a friend who was a beekeeper. He said, goes to a writing club with her. And she, she wrote a book on bees. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. And uh, <laughs> she keeps bees in... The nearest city's cathedral. She keeps them in in on the top on the roof of the old bell tower. Oh wow! It's just cool. it's right in the middle of the city, and it is Amazing. like the ives on, on the top of this uh, on top of the bell tower, which I think is a, a fascinating, weird thing. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. she's telling me about waxworms. How they can can completely uh, ruin a colony. Just just. <laughs> For a moth getting in there and laying its eggs can be a disaster. Wow. Which is, you know, and then you've got the the other parasites, which which we all know, 
because we've seen them on ants, we've seen them on wasps, which is the uh, zombies. When you get the zombie um, fungi, oh, it's right. out of the bee if it, if it gets yeah. covered. So it's, it's, that's another one, that's another parasite. I, it's not a parasite, is it? Was it? Well, yeah, because yeah, it's, it's a zombie fungus. It uses the a bee body basically to to procreate and to create more yeah. of that zombie zombie fungus. So I definitely think it would be a parasite. Absolutely. Yeah, I know, but the scientists, I mean, any scientists or entomologists watching would say, no, that's not a parasite. That's a, <laughs> and, you know, it's a, a fungusite. I don't know. <laughs> it be I don't, yeah. Name for it. They've always got a weird name for everything, haven't they? You know, it's, it's, and if you I'm pretty it, sure. I'm pretty so, sure it classifies as a parasite, absolutely, because it's it's using another life form for its yeah. own life, right? I mean, that's essentially the the what a parasite is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. I yeah. mean, bees are also they can also be affected by um, nematodes and oh uh, yeah, you know other things like that. So there's quite a few things to uh, to bother bees. They're not they're Those not dreaded. Dreaded nematodes, man. Yeah, okay. I know. <laughs> don't like at all. No, they're all old things. But yeah, some sort of them are beneficial. So there you go. But yeah. Uh, yeah, the bees are, are not indestructible, and you know, the, you see a bee and you think, "Oh, look at that cute little bee." It might contain a hairworm, for instance, uh -huh. which is another another nasty thing that infects uh, animals, makes them go into the water. And drown themselves, oh, which is you know again, nobody knows that how. They're assuming that it's some kind of neural uh, interface that the, the the parasite has with the bug's brain. Mantis get it also hairworms, where absolutely they'll they'll get to a certain size where they need to come out to get into the water, and they'll uh -huh. send the bug into the water to drown itself, and then they'll just come out when it's hit the water. So wow. That's a, yet another one uh, that can affect bees and many Absolutely. other bees. Absolutely. I think it's a fun one. I don't, it's not really a parasite. Uh, the oil beetle. Oh, yep, people. Absolutely. <laughs> We're oh, probably the, the oil beetle. Oil beetle. Oh, oh, the oil beetle. Okay. Yeah, which that, that actually can climb up <laughs> to the top of the plant and sit on the flowers, the larva. Loads of them can sit on the flowers. Uh -huh. Wait for a bee to arrive like a taxi crawl on the bee and then fly off to another flower and that's basically how they get around which is which is quite you know if you think about how that could have evolved there's just crazy <laughs> ideas that this beetle lab has gone i i know we'll wait on the flowers jump on the next bee and then we'll move on to the next place we'll get a lift off the bee basically i, I think that's uh, <laughs> It's quite quite amusing, but as you say, that's that really interesting. Fascinating, fascinating. Where am I? I, I I'm going Greek all of a sudden, right? But yeah, one of the one of the most fascinating ones is is one you mentioned, and you'll know more about it than I do because you have them and we don't. It's just the, okay. the tarantula wasp. Oh right. The opposite of par it's a parasite, basically, isn't it? Really, it's yeah, uh, kind of. It, it well, yeah. Again, there's a word for that. Um, but parasite, I think, will do because it's it's preying on another creature, but in, in a weird way. I mean, the way it 
it just stings it paralyzes it keeps the spider uh -huh. alive for months yep while the larva eats the insides of the spider absolutely yeah it's, it's, it's disgusting it's gross <laughs> it's absolutely, absolutely disgusting. I mean, the fact that it's bad enough that it's it's stunned it and paralyzed it and then laid its eggs in it but to keep yeah. it alive so it's fresh while it's yeah. being that's is, next level that's like right. next level I don't know people say to me and say about Nancy says, oh, but eat it alive. Yeah, but it takes them about five minutes. Right. Like, Not like a few months. <laughs> yeah, it's just puts them eaten alive from the inside out, but it's tiny, tiny little worms, which are basically our worms out in the lava. And yeah. yeah. Eating it slowly while it's alive, and it must be. From the inside out, too. Like, yeah. that's that's got to yeah. be excruciating, right? I mean, ugh. Horrible. <laughs> that's another thing about bugs um with the pain mm. because I, I i've read conflicting papers on pain in invertebrates um oh, i interesting. don't believe they both come up with with a decent amount of proof on both sides that there is pain and there isn't pain and what they're sure. saying is some some bugs actually or all bugs um don't register pain they register damage. Oh. And that's the reason why they like things like crickets and whatnot. When you pick them up with your tweezers, they can just say, just lose a legging and run off. They don't care. Right. They don't bleed to death. They they prepare to accept that damage. And there's a mantis, if a mantis molts badly, let's say a leg, uh -huh. quite happily, it'll chew its own leg off if it's in the way. You know, if it's dragging or something, it'll chew its own leg off and carry on. That's and, uh, amazing. Like a, a, a pain, a pain versus uh, damage registration. So instead of so instead of pain, it's the damage. Yeah, it's, so his brain's going, okay, that 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 leg's got something wrong with it. I don't need that leg, or right. whatever part of the body it is. I don't know how that affects like if you ever if you ever seen well, of course you've seen it. When mm. the cockroach in with a spider and the spider bites it, yeah, the cockroach doesn't act like it's in terrible pain. It just looks like it wants to get away because it's been grabbed hold of, like as if you picked it up. It, it doesn't seem to be in excruciating pain. It's not flailing or anything. No, so I can imagine like that. That's why we. I think that's why we associate those kind of reactions from, from say, you know, the tarantula bite with the cockroach. That's probably why we associate that with a pain response is because you're absolutely right. They kind of look like they're just trying to get away, moving their little legs around, um, you know, in an, in an effort to run away. So that makes a lot more sense that they are just registering, oh, I'm damaged whatever yeah. damaged me i've got to get away from the damage right um yeah. that's fascinating that's, that's sort of if that's the case then the tarantula wasp laying its eggs in there uh-huh now it becomes a different sort of scenario is that as bad as what we can imagine if somebody laid eggs in us and it was eating us from the inside bit by bit you know right is it as wonder, bad they can't actually wonder if it's the same kind of neuroreceptors, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because when we are in pain, then that's it, essentially what it is. It's also damage for sure, 
because then yeah. our body will go and, and heal whatever it is that's causing us pain. But at the same time, the nerves and the neurons are sending that message to our brain saying, okay, this is pain, this is pain, there's something wrong. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it's almost, if they're similar in that, in that way. That's I, really fascinating. I don't know. I, I, the one of the papers said to get the message mm. that something's wrong in an area and they know what the area is, whereas we right. need pain in that area for us to know where it is. If that right. makes sense. Does that make sense? No, it does. Total sense. Like a yes, broken finger. Their, their brain, or, or a lot of them don't even have, uh, a, lot, a lot of things don't actually have brains as we nope. call them brains. They have a neural ganglia. Like, mm -hmm. like snails. Snails have a neural ganglia. They don't actually mm -hmm. have a brain, uh, what we would see as a brain. So it makes sense that less information would get there and need to mm -hmm. be processed. Whereas ours is very complicated. Um, with, with our There's a, and all a total system. Yeah. You know, we have different kinds of pain as well. Yeah. You yep. know, that's something we else we register. We know when we've been burnt, we know we've been pricked. We, you know, yeah. you know when we've been trapped or banged. We know the difference between the pains. Whereas mm -hmm. the insects, are they noticing the difference? Or are they just noticing that leg has got damage? Right. So wow. It, like it, it comes out of live feed and all sorts of things. Is it bothering the bug that it's been live fed at all? You know, does, right. does it happen to it? Or does it just keep going? Oh, that leg's got damage. Oh, the other leg's got damage. <laughs> you know, that's is very that, fascinating. That all that's happening? Or. Is it really screaming in agony silently? Right, right, right. What, ha, I don't know how we would ever be able to discern, to like discern that. I, I would assume there needs to be a lot of research into it. If you know, if it's something that was interesting. And tiny uh, little probes. <laughs> yeah, right. Tiny little, tiny little. Probes. <laughs> tiny little probes. Tiny little probes. <laughs> with the things go down. Yeah. I love it. I digress there from bees somehow. A little Sorry. bit, but that's okay. That's okay because beans, uh, bees can inflict a lot of damage and pain, so it works. <laughs> I, I, it's a good point, actually. I wonder when, when a bee stings, let's say a wasp, for instance, is attacking it. It stings it. Uh huh. A wasp feels anything. Well, I, you know, that's a really great question because they do like when they sting they do have a venom that comes yeah with their stinger so i'm what yeah i agree i wonder if you know a wasp that's been stung by you know a yellow jacket or something if it's a painful it could be a painful experience maybe something similar to what we experience i don't think so but i wonder if it's more like neurotoxin to where maybe it kind of paralyzes them or just kind of shuts down their you know their uh central nervous system or something like that so that's that's a really good question simon <laughs> with, the, with the pain thing we got i could probably go on all day and come up with examples <laughs> sure. get off that subject quickly because i've got loads of them in my head now whizzing round which, <laughs> which i just you know not completely off topic so yeah stick to bees simon <laughs> no you're doing you're you're awesome i appreciate everything today you 
you've done a fantastic job with information about bees and pain receptors. It's it's awesome. Very, very cool. We're actually rounding out to the end of our podcast. So, Simon, do you have anything that you would like to plug for this week? What you got going on? The shameless plug. <laughs> I have nothing same as usual. Go to my channel, give it a subscribe, yeah. give videos. Yeah, like it if you want. <laughs> I'm, I'm not really... Yeah, just do that. That's All it. right. And buy mantis. Yeah, I, you said you've been breeding a lot of mantises this week, right? Because the heat wave that you guys had, so uh, a lot of them are ready for that. Yeah, I got a lot Did of you... knocking around that are waiting to be bred. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be doing a stream one day this week, hopefully with Shady uh, again. We yeah. did one last week, but hopefully we'll do one again this week. Oh, um, I hope so too. Attempt to pair. A mantis because I she she just bought some mantis. Her last oh, show awesome! And I have the same mantis that are ready to pair, so I was hoping we could pair it on stream and she could watch me pair them. And uh, and when she comes to to do hers, it'll be she'll have something there. Uh, yeah. But we tried last week and was unsuccessful, so Aww. we'll have to wait until Did this week to see if we'll try them again. Did you happen to find uh, did you happen to find the spiny flower mantis uh, female? I did. I found you several, did? several of them. Yes. Yes. So I now have three females there and one male who's very traumatized. <laughs> He's got PTSD on the thread at the moment. Oh no. We're gonna give him a few days and try him again because uh, they're very, very aggressive. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Ridiculously Are... aggressive, one of the most aggressive mantis. Um, wow. So, yeah, it, it's uh, as soon as the male gets on, nine times out of ten, she's trying to kill him. So, oh, wow. Yeah, you know, stick your finger in there and intervene. Otherwise, he'd be lunch. So, yeah, he's yeah. traumatized at the moment. <laughs> he's had three of them <laughs> eating. So, we're going <laughs> to break and then we'll try him again. Oh, poor yeah. guy. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine. Sure. Um, let's see what I've got going on. I've got baby Philippus Audux that oh. I'm trying to find people who want them um, here. Obviously in Denver, I can't really ship because I'm just I'm low level. I'm not even a breeder really. But um, yeah, I've got a whole bunch of little baby spoons that are absolutely ready for new homes. And this week I will, I just released my Holothele Longapes rehouse and species spotlight uh, video yesterday. And then this upcoming week, I had a couple of uh, little slings that are now, well, they're still pretty slingish, if you will. Um, but a couple of old world cool little baboon tarantula species that uh, I rehoused. So be looking forward to that uh, video and it'll be a lot of fun. Um, and tiny plastic babies. That's like a thing for me now. I'm putting these in every little enclosure that I've got. So look out for the tiny plastic babies. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so it was good. It's been a good week. Simon, as always, it's a pleasure to talk with you and you. doing our, our invert chat. And uh, I really enjoyed talking about bees and Thank you so much for being here, and yeah. Anytime. All right.
thank you guys so much for watching. We are going to sign off. Um, as always, you can find us on YouTube and obviously uh, Facebook and other cool places. So, yeah. Bye, guys. See you later. Yeah. <laughs>